Today is an extremely exciting episode for me because it is the first of many to come on the hybrid artist. This dynamic duo of a team complement each other as creative minds and entrepreneurs. Maya and Bosco have a great partnership in bringing to life a solution for creativity and cultural inclusion. With Bosco being a music producer, songwriter, and mechanical engineer, he is the inventor on this ship and a brilliant artist, having worked with the likes of Kanye West and Avicii, amongst others. And Maya being a leader as the driving force for storytelling and partnerships. All right, all right. So I'm going to let you listen to their intro reel so you get a taste of what it is that they're trying to do. Electrospit is a device that they invented off the back of the old school talk box, which was a device that was connected to an instrument to make an instrument seem like it was singing. So you would sing into the talk box and it would sound like a guitar or a piano, for instance. And it's been used by the likes of Tupac for the famous song California Love. Stevie Wonder, we've got Aerosmith, who used it for Sweet Emotion, Bon Jovi for Living on a Prayer, Motley Crue for Kickstart My Heart, and Pink Floyd with the famous song Pigs. They decided to create something that would not only reinvent a talk box, but would become a device to allow for cultural inclusion and to allow for anyone to feel that they can create and be an artist. The idea being, the label of an artist should not just be for a dignified few who think that they just need to be born with that talent. It's something that can be brought to life in anyone who seeks it. I wanna thank you for coming out to chat with the spin right now, yeah. I wanna thank you for coming out to chat with the Electrospit is shifting cultural beliefs about who is an artist and what creativity is. Our hardware and software enable people to see themselves as musically creative and empowered. It's mind-blowing. Like what I was telling him is, I'm a decent keyboard player. Um, I don't have the dexterity personally or the time to practice talking with a tube in my mouth for 12 hours a day. But I can put this on with the app or with my keyboard and I can sound almost as good as him. Almost, almost. <laughs> What's exciting about Electrospit is our commitment to creating instruments that everyone can use to express themselves. This allows us to expand our market to both experienced and first-time musicians. It's rare you can reinvent an instrument like you talk about. I need this for the album. If you're a thought leader who is passionate about art and understands its importance to the future of innovation, let's align forces. Come experience the magic that happens when people are enabled to create music anytime, anywhere. Let's talk to them and hear about their journey so far. Hola, hola, you guys ready? We're ready. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us a little bit about you, Bosco. Uh, my my background is um, um, I'm a music producer, singer, songwriter, talk box artist, and a, a mechanical engineer. I uh, worked as a music producer, working with um, artists from uh, E40, Tupac and the Outlaws, Aaliyah, 
then um, on to Limp Bizkit, um, Tyrese, Kanye West. So having had a lineup of some great collaborations. There must have been a problem you were, you, you were trying to solve. Besides trying to create ease of use of that device. What drove you to really start digging into this and investing in it and trying to find a solution? Maya, we'd love you to jump into the conversation right now. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the story. Originally, we entered Zoo Labs with the intent of releasing a music project and the the at that time we just we didn't have a name for it but a signature talk box um as a dual release and just kind of a marketing tool for the music and at that time the music industry had taken um, a turn and went quickly from cds to streaming and so artists were left with um, scrambling, trying to find um, other means of income. We entered into the the residency with that in mind. Mm -hmm. And then as we started developing the tech, and we realized, you know, that the tech was the leading thing and that the music could be used um, as a means to market the tech, then we started to focus more on the tech. Now, as we started doing customer testing um, and building customer profiles, the deeper meaning that we found was the, was the opportunity to inspire our community to see themselves as um, creative people who have um, the, the means and the ability to be problem solvers, that, that they can solve their own problems through innovation, and exploring tech just as we did. So we serve as an example of that, but we also seek to educate people about their innate ability, innate abilities to, to tap into their own creative power. And that creativity is not something that's just reserved for artists or something that is like a talent that you're born with, but more like a muscle that um, is waiting to be trained. So that that became that became the deeper message behind what we we're doing. Tell us a little bit about how you'd see Electrospit doing this. We found that a lot of people who never played an instrument or never learned to play an instrument attached that part of themselves or that that part of expression um, to their self-value. That people who see themselves as creative have a higher um, they place their they they place their self value higher, and so we saw this as an opportunity to help people who haven't been musically trained express themselves musically and have that spill over into other areas of their lives. That 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 creativity and that self value. That's such an important message that creativity is not just reserved for the gifted few but can be developed over a lifetime if someone's seeking it. What would you say is the number one challenge for artists? Well, I think that there's a disconnect between um, how much your, your art is worth and um, putting a value on that and seeing it as um, something that people should pay for. Like a lot of times artists see their art as like, oh, I'm just doing this for the love of the art. And if I ask people, to pay for it or, you know, pay 
over a certain amount, then I'm selling, I'm selling out and I'm selling uh, my soul, so to speak. And um, so then you have this whole idea of the struggling, starving artist. But what, but what they, I think they don't realize is that in order to create art at a high level, you have to have all of your basic needs met. And so if you're, you're worried about how you're going to pay your rent or how you're going to eat, then you, that is time that in, in brain power that is being taken away from creating your art. And so I would say that, that funding and knowing how much to charge for your art are things that, um, that need to be addressed more in the artist community. There's a lack of business acumen that can take an artist from the typical starving artist syndrome into a thriving artist syndrome. In your case, however, you come from a very unique place that's actually growing, which is where art and technology intersect. So tell us a little bit about your journey on how you manage yourself, have you got funded? In our particular situation where because we have a, a product that's a tech product, then people think, oh, you should be able to get tech funding, right? And then um, there's also the fact that we're creating music, which is art. And then also I think of our instrument as a piece of art. So then people think, oh, you should be able to get artist funding or or impact funding. So we we had to do a lot of testing, a lot of research, a lot of trial and error. But when you're looking for tech funding, they typically want to see a unicorn, a unicorn. They want to see the next Google. They're looking to fund software mostly. And when you have a product like ours that is a niche product that is like a cultural product, they don't they won't see the value until the, the, the culture takes off, right? And then they, then they want to invest. Um, and so, and I think that's, that's like a trend with all cultural things. Um, and especially in the black community um, there, we often are trendsetters and then larger corporations take those trends and, and profit from them. And we rarely see are the owners of the profit that comes from the culture that we create. Um, and so this is, this is similar in that we have had to find specific people within our niche who have the means to, to fund what we're doing and then also rely on the, the, the people who are already in that niche and have tried to um, build a talk box on their own or understand how difficult it is to, to, to perform live with a talk box. And so um, with a traditional talk box. And so that's where the majority of our funding has come from those places. We haven't gotten um, any traditional VC funding. We did get um, some money from a VC, but they were like, you know, a needle in a haystack VC um, Exponential Creativity is the name of, of that particular uh, foundation, but they specifically focus on funding artists in the space of technology. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's a very rare find to find somebody like that. And then another one of our funders was um, P-Thug, early, early funders was P-Thug of Chromio, who happens to be a talk boxer and also 
um, you know, tried to build a talk box himself, but didn't have the time for that. So um, I think that when it comes to art, there's number one, knowing what you built is, is, is worth something. And then finding the people who understand the value in what you built. And so that it's not this, you're begging for money. It's you're creating something that you want to see and that you know has an impact and that they also want to see in the world. So then it becomes, it becomes an exchange rather than um, a charity. Yeah, I think that is a point that needs to be addressed more, especially in the funding arena. You need to find people who feel your passion and are not just going to be handing you down for profits, but understand the long-term gain. I mean, that's when it really becomes a form of co-creation and both parties' intention is that for the greater good. So what's the impact you've seen so far, Maya? The impact that we've seen so far is from the artist community, in the artist community and in the black tech community, the people who are inspired, just our, our, our community, the people who are inspired by us seeing a vision and going out and building it on our own. And, you know, this has been six years. So we have people who have, have, you know, seen us every step of the way in every prototype and some of our friends, you know, waited until like last year to invest because people want to see, um, they want, people want to be a part of a success, a success story, right? So they want to see that you built something before they actually invest. And so I, my, my purpose in this is is to inspire indigenous and people of color to be conscious creators and to, um, look within themselves to 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 find solutions, whether that's through tech or some other creative means, to solve their own problems. I I, I mean I would I would definitely agree that the uh, the inspiration is a huge reason that I'm that I love it. When you see yourself, maybe it's almost like a time machine when you see um, um, other creators who have ideas that they that they want to see come to fruition and they're not sure how to proceed but you've gone through some of the struggles that they um or uh, or figured out some of the challenges that, that they're struggling with and you can provide some inform information some inspiration some resources to help them move along towards their goal and their dream that's very rewarding for me that's definitely pushes me to continue uh, looking for solutions. And it also, um, seeing that process and remembering, you know, where we were six years ago or 10 years ago and, um, and how far we've come, it, it, uh, it, it inspires me to, to look to, to get uh, mentorship and to um, get information from peers to figure out how to move forward because you know what what we think there's more is possible than what we think you know basically the sky the sky is the limit and um there's always so much more that you can do so how many prototypes did you have before it started to catch any attention i think <laughs> that's a big message right because because yeah think that you know you've got an idea and you just got to get it out there and the first shot it's going to be it's going to get some attention but 
most most stories go down to the the same the same realization is that it does take a lot of grit and resilience if you truly believe in something right so maybe if you share something yeah. on that um well we've gone through basically everything is a prototype and it's it's a continuous you know, and I have a whole new uh, understanding of of products now because you think of products as finished or not finished, but um, they're never finished. Even the biggest companies, you know, Apple is is making uh, you know updates to their software every you know every few days, and they're adding, uh, replacing uh, parts in their uh, iPhone, you know, doing recalls and. So everything is just always evolving. And our our first prototype was just some of the hardware. Um, in a sock. In a sock. Tied, tied around <laughs> people's necks. So, um, you know, you have, to, you have to get started on the idea. You have an idea, you have to make the first version. The first version, I mean, the first version is in your head. And then the next version might be, on a piece of paper, paper. Yeah. and and then the next version might be made out of some uh you know uh some pvc pipe and uh, probably probably before that you're going to use uh, uh some some tongue depressors and toothpicks and uh, mm -hmm. pipe cleaners to, to make it but but that's all super important and as soon as possible you need to get that idea in front of customers or mm -hmm. potential customers mm -hmm. and see if this idea addresses the needs of the someone so then you know if you even need to continue developing it or not yes um, and how and far in how far in before you actually started looking for for any form of investment i mean the, you all uh, customers prototype very like down dirty just you know scraps together and trying to figure out if people would be interested how how long before you started thinking? Okay, now I think I need to start asking for for some. We're, we're almost there. <laughs> <laughs> we we um honestly we have uh we have gotten a lot of investment in terms of mentors, in in terms of introductions, um but not a lot information. of information. Yeah, but uh, so much information, so much um, um, support in terms of, uh, you know, uh, um, encouragement. But in, in terms of people um, putting money into the company, that, that has been really challenging for us. Um, we... The investor that I spoke about earlier, Adam um, Hutler from Exponential Creativity, we, we weren't out fundraising he found us so mm -hmm. um i can't say that we ever i think we mostly were just focused on talking to customers and building a product that they wanted and then through that buzz and word of mouth and stuff then people started you know finding us and that's how we found p-thug somebody sent him a video he said oh i want to see it we came to his studio, we showed him, you know, one of our prototypes and he was like, are you looking for money? So I think for us, we never actually actively went out and pursued investment in the, in the traditional, in the traditional way, because 
we were trying to solve a problem for Bosco and we knew that there had to be other people who were experiencing this problem and that there was also this this block in the perception of 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 creativity and and um you know people feeling like creativity is outside of them and that they don't have it within them so we were focusing on that, on sending those messages to people and and we weren't and and building a product and we weren't as focused on raising funds and it's something honestly that we still are challenged with we were just talking about it yesterday and my um my feeling is that we should continue to talk to customers and cuz right now the majority of our customers are uh hip hop or the funk genre or excuse me um like soul R&B and but the talk box sound lends itself to um rock guitar um EDM gospel and so there are a lot of communities that we can impact with a with our message and with our sound and I feel like it would be better for us to connect with them rather than going after investors who might not even see the value in what we're doing until we connect with those people. Right. And, and would you say that since since you started this journey, has it been easy to find people to help you along the way? I know you mentioned that there's been a lot of mentorship and um, I'm sure a lot of gratitude for that along the way, but in regard to, to, to help in, in the sense of, okay, if, if you felt like your message would serve a certain network and someone was in the, the, the PR space to kind of give you a slot to, to talk in or to, to give you a press release, or maybe someone's really good at, you know, email marketing to a certain extent could help you tap into a certain investor network. I don't know. There's so many different, you know, aspects where you could need help as an entrepreneur. Have you have you found that help along the way? Have have you have mm-hmm. you had people come to you and say, you know, guys, we love what you're doing and we're willing to step in and and help? Yes, we've had a lot of that, and but um, a lot of it has been through our affiliation with Zoo Labs. Mm-hmm. And they have a network, but then also because we are who we are, you know, you can get an introduction, but if you're not passionate about what you're doing, people see that. And so because we're really passionate about what we've created and what we're building as far as our, um, our, our, our talk box nation community and that movement, we've had people who um, we've been, you know, we've been introduced to people and then they introduce us to other people and it and it just continues to flow like that because of the momentum we have the passion we have and the support that we have from from people who see what we're doing um i'll just give you um um i'll give you an example we were gonna manufacture in china and that that presented a huge challenge um but this is before corona um but obviously we're, we're happy that, <laughs> that the challenges presented themselves before Corona so that we're not there in China now, but um, they were having Chinese, they were going to have Chinese New Year's and our delivery was going to be delayed. We put out a message to the community said, Hey, you know, we want to, we want to do this here. We want to manufacture here in Oakland. We need your support. 
And we, we even put that out to our Kickstarter backers and some of them who had been disgruntled because we hadn't delivered in a time that they thought we should have delivered. Um, and then, you know, they, some of them were first time Kickstarter backers. So they didn't realize that sometimes it takes three and four years for a company to, to deliver on the product. Mm -hmm. Um, but we had, um, an outpouring of support from the community. And that's how we are actually delivering now is people who've come in and helped us to organize our manufacturing process, our assembly process. They're helping us build, they're helping us ship. We got some people from Kickstarter who are coming here uh, who, who have who have to have a regular job, but they're coming here and really putting in the effort to understand how to build these things and out of like shipping out over 300 we've only had one um come back that says it, that they said it didn't work and that's amazing to to have that many units shipped out and only have one come back that shows that the commitment to quality that our community is putting out just from us saying hey we need your support and them being impressed by what we've already built and so we've had a lot of support um and it i think it's about you can be introduced to somebody, but if you're not, if you're not passionate, you're not genuine about what you're doing, then you're the, the, the referral or the introduction won't mean as much. Now, I think that's such an important message, right? Because when people are in it just for the revenue or they think it's a great idea because it can make a quick buck, it's right. just go downhill from there. I mean, it takes a lot yeah. of passion to bring something that's really useful and powerful to the community. And just like you said, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that things get drawn to you if you're passionate enough about them and the yeah. universe just works in your favor, right? So it's yeah. not, that's not going to happen unless you have that drive and passion. So yeah. awesome. I'm so glad to see that happening in your world. What are some of the highlights on your journey so far? Well, I, I will say that I, I am a firm believer that we are continuing to vibrate higher and higher and that we are magnetizing more things from the universe. So I'm not going to say that we've reached our peak yet. And <laughs> I believe there, there are many more, there are many peaks to be had, but some of the highlights of our path so far have been um, our, our fundraising campaign through Kickstarter, our micro ventures campaign, and we just won the, the Guthman um, new musical uh, instrument design award. We won first place and we also won a people's choice award. And that was just this last Saturday. So, um, you know, being, having that outpour of support um, from the Kickstarter, from people who came mostly directly from our Instagram and our social media efforts, who, you know, were first time Kickstarter backers that, showed us like hey people really want to see this and then um and we we reached our goal within less than 48 hours i think it was like 36 hours and then we reached almost 300 percent of our goal and then our next um cap crowdfunding campaign which was uh, an equity campaign we reached almost a hundred thousand with that and then um you know so it's 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 also amazing to have had so much support from the music industry. We've had music industry greats like Stevie Wonder, who's using um, the ESX One now, and David Guetta, and 
uh, Teddy Riley. And so to have the support of the music community, you know, the, the, the professionals, the support of the people who are aspiring musicians, and then the recognition from the tech community has been so awesome and so inspiring. And um, also just the, I would say another high point is the ability to train people within our community to, to, to see the entrepreneurial process and also the manufacturing process, the engineering process, that has been a high point and really amazing and something that we're gonna continue to do. We probably will not do um, any manufacturing in China unless it's a very large batch. We'll do all of our small batch manufacturing here in Oakland. That has been like, I can't even, I don't even have the words to describe how amazing that is for me as a native of Oakland and having it be mostly black and um, people from all age ranges coming in and, and learning these things with us and us learning things from them, like how, um, how we can improve our assembly process. They've taught us things. That experience has definitely been a high point. And then this last weekend, we got to speak to a group um, a class at Morehouse. So opportunities like those are are really what fuel us and let us know, hey, we're we're on the right path. We're doing something that's meaningful and that's inspiring. I also want to know, you know, what what did you consider a low point? And I mean, that's part of an entrepreneurial journey. But I think it's very important to share what what it is you do when you have to bounce back how do you deal with with a setback oh wow um so our our motto is that we're relentless so we have a setback we know that we live in an unlimited universe and so that we we know that there's there's a zillion ways to accomplish one goal right so we focus on abundance and the and creativity and and knowing that um you know if us being relentless and passionate about it an avenue a pathway is going to present itself to our goal and and that's a challenge you know i say that um with optimism but that you know we have to meditate we have to take breaks and take walks and we have to um take time to celebrate our wins because a lot of times you're you're so focused on you know, what your vision is that you have these small victories and you, you push past them, but we are learning to celebrate those small victories because when you have a setback, you, a lot of times it's human nature to deliberate over that setback and really let it get to you. And I am giving more attention to the wins and the victories, the small victories uh, more and more as we go along. And yes, there, there are setbacks and you, um, you learn if you don't, if you don't take them as lessons, then, you know, you can, they can be more of a setback than they have to be. And so I would say some of our challenges have been spreading the money and using it in the right way to push our bottom line forward, and then maybe some disagreements about what that is between Bosco and I, because he's so heavy on, you know, product design, and I'm 
you know, business strategy and marketing. And I'm saying, Hey, we need to spend this money on our website or our campaign. And he's like, Oh, well, I need to spend this money on, you know, um, buying this new, um, or redesigning the battery hatch or whatever it is, you know? So, so, so feud, Maya, it's a classic feud. No, there's, there's nothing new there. So it's all good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and I'm aware of that, but you know, also being, being married presents challenges in, in that, in that area too. Cause there's a, there's also just the, the power struggle, struggle and the dynamic um, of being married and being uh, business partners. Is Bosco there in the room? I'd love to hear his facial expression right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting expression. What? <laughs> yeah. What she's- what she isn't mentioning is that in all of those uh, disagreements that I'm always right. <laughs> uh, that, that's the alpha male right there, Bosco. You've got a woman. You've got a woman on this side of the world. So I'm, I'm going to back Maya here. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we just had International Women's Day. You're going to be. I know. I know. <laughs> no, my Maya is. Maya is incredible and she has, um, you know, man, the number of challenges that we have faced. I mean, we need to, we need to do um, a, a mini series mm-hmm. uh, or uh, a, probably a, like a, a trilogy of all of the challenges that we faced in this project. Stud- my studio, uh, we had sold our place in Atlanta partially because of the financial crisis we had been building a place in Los Angeles and we we had to uh we got into okay so the the bank that was um that was financing the construction of our place in Los Angeles was uh see, the, they went they were seized by the FDIC um, during the financial crisis, which stopped our construction loan, so we um, we couldn't complete our house in Los Angeles. We had to move to Atlanta. Um, so we were we had to sue the FDIC and and <laughs> and the bank uh, because of all of that. So we were and 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 we didn't have the funds to hire an attorney. So I was had to learn how to sue them myself. Um, so in the midst of that, we're, we're, uh, what he's not telling you is that not only did he figure it out, he won. And then he's just been suing people ever since. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's not something that I'm, I'm recommending, but it, it, we were just, we, we had basically our world was like collapsing around us, you know, as far as the music business, our real estate investments were falling apart. And that was like us. Then we, we were looking for another way to reinvent our, our lives. And, and that's where Electros fit like a new business model for, um, for art and music um, came out. And then, so that was the beginning. So that's very um, interesting. I just just have a question there. Would you say that it is in times of crisis or, you know, when people feel like they're up against the wall, that they yes. have better creativity? Yes, yes. Well, uh, I think they're forced to to not go with the flow and they have to think 
Mm-hmm. Um, they got to get out. They're already out of their comfort zone, right? Yeah. yeah. What do they say? Necessity is, is the, the mother, mother of invention. invention. Yeah. It's, it, it's easy to sit back and, and relax and, and enjoy when, when everything is going well. But then when you have some adversity, uh, you can either uh, fold and crumble or you can get really creative. And, and we have gotten so creative <laughs> over and over <laughs> and over and over, you know, to, to, to go from pr- uh, production, music production and, and, and real estate, and to then uh, create um, a new electronic instrument. Um, and, and then a music tech company, a music tech company. And then um, we that company was uh, partially funded by some of our real estate uh, investments, and and that uh, um, that also that fell apart um, um, because of a business partner. Who we had a, a, a business partner with um, with mental, mental illness issues, illness, yes. and um, so we lost basically our whole life savings and our whole business and had to scramble and we we essentially started the kickstarter after we had run out of all of our funds <laughs> we are we had i mean it was totally out of necessity like and we have been postponing like we want to get this kickstarter ready and we're gonna i feel some, you i've heard that before, before. Mm-hmm. yes it but it was it was we had we were at the end it was we were past the end um, and, and then for it to be, you know, a huge success, you know, and some of the people who worked on it were, you know, got paid after the Kickstarter. So, uh, you know, shout out to Godspeed. Um, they were a huge factor in us being able to, um, um, have the campaign that we, that we did. And then, you know, at, then again, after, um, developing the product, it, it was more expensive than we, we thought it was going to be, and we had to raise um, more money uh, to to finish the development. Um, we uh, we came up with uh, um, uh, an idea, and this also um, was um, assisted by other people. Um, we were working with a company called Fictive that. They're a startup. Um, They're a startup. So we have a similar, you know, background. We started around the same time. And and their their concept is to democratize hardware creation. And and they allowed us to um in in the process of building a uh injection molding, you get test press uh pieces. So, So you pay a certain amount of money, like you put half up front. And then they give you samples of what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Well, we um, use those samples to make product to sell to people. <laughs> we use those samples. Mm-hmm. So we were able to pay half, um, get samples, use the samples to create this product, get it to early adopters at a premium price, um, and then use that money to pay for the rest of the manufacturing and to launch our. Um, another equity crowdfunding campaign. So, um, so we were uh, essentially the, the customers were have been funding our our project, and because you know investors didn't see the vision that we saw, and um, 
and it's it's just been incredible but we've had to be creative at every every step of the way you know to find ways to continue and we're still doing it <laughs> i think that's brilliant that's just being street smart and wise with with money right and i think yeah that's thrown around and and you've gone through so many situations in your life that kind of shake you at your core you just get better at it with time you get better yeah. at being able to manage your, your finances and then be able to run your business really really well and even if that means it's a whole new business sometimes you've just got to scrap it and you've got to know when to let go and other times you have to know when you have to go on right i mean so many times we've we run into the walls where you know, I think for a lot of businesses, it would have been the end. And, we you know, we just looked at each other and said, you know, what, what, what's, what creative solution can we come up with? Like, there's, yeah, there's some kind of, like, let's do some research. Let's talk to some people. Let's meditate. Let's, you know, there's, there's, I, I'm, I just always feel like there's a way. I love there's some way. I love, I have to, I, I cannot resist. I have to stop you there because I've heard both you and Maya say that you need to stop and meditate. <laughs> Just, I love it because I'm, I'm, I'm an avid, crazy meditator. In fact, I think I might've surpassed my own understanding of meditation now because this was not me six years ago of completely changed. And I think it's right. important. Um, and, and this is what I'd like both of you to share as well. You know rituals like what are your daily you must be having some sort of daily ritual or you know you mentioned meditation um what what do you feel it does for you and do you think it's it's important for for maintaining your 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 peace and joy through through the process yeah definitely um my i have a bunch of different rituals i um listen to um you know, recordings at certain frequencies that are designed to help um, you elevate your your um, vibration to be in alignment with certain principles, whether it's abundance or love. Um, I meditate. I have been um, recently practicing shamanic journeying. Yeah. I journal. After that, I journal. Um, I, I mean, I, I journal weekly, I, but I have been journaling since I did not have journals back from junior high school. So I've been, I've been journaling for a long time. I study metaphysics. Um, I am more recently studying more traditional African spirituality. I feel like um, there has been uh, a definite um movement in removing um true spirituality from religion and having people think that they need to go through a priest or be a part of this church in order to connect with spirit and so i have been studying um the more the traditional indigenous practices um and um, learning about those rituals. So I have an altar. Um, I, what else am I doing? 
<laughs> that's a lot, right? <laughs> so, so it, I do all that stuff. Oh, I think it's awesome that you're sharing that because this is a channel for conscious creators and elevating consciousness. And it has a lot to do with reconnecting to our ancestral heritage and indigenous tribes. And, you know, we use modern science to help us better understand that now, but it's well rooted in our history books, our religions, Akashic records, and all the ancient cultures. So another word for meditation is stillness, whatever you want to call it. Who was the first one to start? No, I I actually started Bosco meditating because it's so it's funny because um, he was not uh, meditating when we met, and and because he wasn't, um, and our lives were so in- intertwined, I stopped meditating as much, and then he noticed a difference in me, and he and so then he started thinking, and I didn't know this until years later. She was like, "Wow, I see a difference in her." He he thought to himself, "Oh, maybe I should meditate with her to get." Her to get her to meditate, right? So then he really started seeing the benefits from it. <laughs> it was like this thing that started out as a scheme, like let me get her to be, you know, more more calm and peaceful and happy. And then he started to see that he um, was able to think more clearly and to be more relaxed and to get more, be more efficient with his day because he's thinking more clearly. And uh, then he also started journaling and we do, uh, you know, some, some visualization practices. Like if we have, have a big meeting or a presentation, we will anticipate all the things that we think the other person might say. And then I will pretend to be that person or he'll pretend to be that person and we'll have a conversation. And, you know, at first we were surprised at how much the conversation went almost exactly as we had played it out. And now it's just like normal, like it's just a given that we know that that's the conversation pretty much. You could just yeah. cancel the meeting. Yeah, just cancel the meeting. <laughs> this is what's going to happen. <laughs> it's crazy though, isn't it? Like it's, it's, it's very magical. It's, um, I, I, mm-hmm. I get where you're coming from and it's so important. I think that's really important advice not to go through that process of visualizing where it is you want to be. The story you just said about role playing is a really, really nice practical way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. what would that look like if you're going into a meeting or if you're pitching for funds or if you're uh, presenting your idea to someone, even if it's just a friend, how would you kind of frame it and what would you say and get some feedback and you'd be a lot more prepared. Mm-hmm, totally. Because there, there's very few times that they come up with a question that you hadn't anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the three things that you would need right now to propel your business or, you know, take your business in the direction that you want it to go? What would that be? <laughs> if you imagine you had the audience that you really wanted right now. And they were listening to you and they were willing and, you know, they were open to suggestions of where they would put their money or put their time or whatever it is you're looking for. So what, what would you ask for? Um, and this is, this doesn't exactly answer your question, but right now we need to duplicate ourselves. Like I need one more of me and one more of Bosco. And, uh, I mean, I guess it does answer the question because, um, 
you know, we, we need to hire some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we need to hire people who are passionate about what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that's the main thing I think in hiring somebody is, um, you want, obviously nobody's going to be as passionate about my baby as I am, but I want somebody, people who see the value in what we're creating and give it the attention that, that it deserves. And, um, I guess the tender love and care that it deserves for our customers. So we're looking to hire, um, a, a marketing slash customer service assistant. We're also looking to hire a production, um, an assembly production manager, like a warehouse manager who can also help with assembly. Um, you know, funds, funds are always needed. (laughs) Um, investment. Um, I would say the investment that we would need right now, um, would be to upgrade our website and have it be optimized for conversion. Um, and we're also doing another crowdfunding campaign. So, um, you know, help with that. I mean, funds for that, because there's a lot of that, that goes on behind the scenes of a crowdfunding campaign, um, that people don't, that people don't, um, know it's, there's a lot, there's like months worth of work that has to happen before you even launch the campaign ads and things that need to be created. Um, so I guess the, another thing would be having somebody who is willing to work with us on creating dynamic um facebook and or instagram ads rather or youtube ads we we could i mean it it's good for we we could really use more um connections to entrepreneurs that are that were here last year or two years ago Mm -hmm. so that they can give us um roadmap roadmap you know because some of the questions in my mind or how fast should we be growing? How fast should we hire? Um, you know, what, uh, what sources of funding, how much funding should we, uh, I mean, of course, it's at this moment, we don't have a, it's, it's not like we have, uh, who should we talk to? Who are the best people to talk to about investing and, and in what way and, and what kind of strategic uh, people should we should we talk to should we um align ourselves with right should we align ourselves with so um just figuring out and how to how to spend our time you know um should we be spending more of it on marketing more of it on improving production more of it on uh, fundraising you know that that balance uh, more on hiring you know it's like it's a little bit scary I think uh, for me sometimes uh, to to hire someone or 
bring someone in because I mean, as com I'm confident that we can solve and, and overcome challenges, but then it's still, you know, in the back of my mind, there's this the, the little doubt. Like he's, I don't, he's like he gets caught on the how, and I'm like, just just know that it's gonna happen. Let's just go. Let's go, right? <laughs> and can I, you know, can I hire somebody if I if I bring somebody in and 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 they're gonna, you know, they want a hundred thousand dollars salary plus stock options and all of this, you know, can I? Are they gonna bring in that kind of value? Are they going to bring in that kind of value? I, I want to make sure that I can deliver, um, you know, that on um, that salary and the, the the growth that they're expecting. But that that's just the. But that's where we differ in mindset. Yeah, that's because I feel like if we get the right person and yeah. and, and train them, mine's right. It's it's gonna happen because you can't you can't go right. into it with that doubt or you that can't fear. Go, nope, you have to go in hundred percent. So. Um, and I think um, you've kind of nailed what what it is you want to do, right? I mean, in the sense of your purpose and the bigger, bigger reason why you exist. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've watched the talk by Simon Sinek, you know. Um, you've what was the talk you just mentioned? There's, there's this author called Simon Sinek, and he talks about how an organization needs to be formed around the why. So it has to have a purpose. And your purpose right. is really what draws the right people to you and yes. hearing both of you talk I think you've nailed that one and the like you you've got that one you know and when mm -hmm. you've got a purpose and you're passionate about it you don't you don't need to worry because your energy is going to attract the right people to you it's just mm -hmm. about obviously you know like my my said you know you've got to train them obviously get them get them on on the same page as you to a certain extent but for the most part I believe these it comes with ease once you have your purpose. And what I can see here is that you've got that. So now Thank it's just about you. the universe kind of delivering those people to you and, and, and they're gonna be they're gonna be on the ride with you through thick and thin. Just gotta yeah. go with that mindset. I think I think uh, a, a part of it is just us getting out of the way. <laughs> or at least me. Now it's Moscow out of Gotta get out of the way and, <laughs> and not try to control, you know, the Eesh. way that it happens, and you know, because because you 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 Bosco like likes to micromanage the process, and I like to micromanage Bosco. <laughs> <laughs> you got yo, that's a that's a cool team right there. Eh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, right. you know what? It's it's only natural because every entrepreneur that I've ever spoken to, and including myself, because I'm kind of in that. I'm in your space as well, you know. You you, you yeah. get you do get into control freak mode, then, and that's, yeah. that's normal. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've got to kind of also be kind to yourself in that process and say, well, you know, this is part of my learning, and I have to know how to how and when to accept help and allow it in to my yeah. life. Yeah. And then you have to be you have to be patient in and and very detailed in training people you know and that sometimes has been a challenge for bosco because he's as a music producer and a mechanical engineer he's used to doing everything himself and so then when it comes to like training people he's like ah like he's 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 going through the steps in his head and not talking out loud to the person and so then that's where it comes in he wants to micromanage the process and do it because he knows exactly how it should be done. 
and I'm micromanaging him saying things like, you got to talk out loud. You have to finish that sentence. You have to show him how to do this. <laughs> you have to show him how to do that. And then I leave because I'm trying to, I'm trying, well, I am more and more removing myself from the process, but I haven't removed myself from micromanaging Bosco yet. <laughs> you, if you were to describe the future you'd want to paint for the art community, what would that be and how would you have contributed to it? All right, so just imagine, imagine that you're 200 years old and we're having this conversation and we're looking back at your entire journey. How would you how, how would you have wanted to influence the art community and what is the future you'd want to paint for artists? So one, I want more people to see themselves as artists, to see themselves as um, having the, the ability to create art um, at any given moment. And the the purpose of Electrospit um, as a company is to create instruments that bridge the gap between the virtuoso and the first timer and we are building a um a suite of instruments that follow the blueprint of the esx1 in which it's it's something that's easily accessible and makes it easier for the um the first timer as well as the professional musician to access the sound of the talk box. So we have other instruments in mind for this and now the with that same vision. So the end goal that I see is all of these impromptu bands that are able to just jam together at any given moment, um, you know, because they have the tools that they need either in a backpack or and and everybody has um you know a, a mobile phone and at that point in 200 years who knows what the device will be maybe it's like some kind of little hologram device or whatever it is that people are carrying around with them but my vision Did we say 200 or 20 she said 200 but but people people are People don't have to go through this laboring process to create art and expel and express themselves mm -hmm. creatively or, or artistically. That they're able to just do that at the at 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 any given moment, and and so like you know, say you and I meet up, um, we're gonna go for a walk or something. We meet up on a street corner. We all have our our instruments, our our little pieces of tech, and we could just hey make a little uh, a little uh, jam that is the inspiration for our walk or the inspiration for our meetup. So that's the vision that I have for the products that we're creating for Electrospit. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join into that vision a, a little bit. Um, right now, there's a, there's a big division between um, traditional instruments. People see someone who's a virtuoso on a guitar or on the piano as a real musician or who's an incredible singer as a real mu musician, which they are, but then they don't necessarily see someone who produces music or um, plays uh, an electronic instrument as a virtuoso. And I would like to, to, to destroy that um, distinction. And um, because I know that with the right electronic instruments, they can enhance your creativity. They can allow you to play and create sounds that are not possible in any other way. And you can become a virtuoso 
by um, learning that instrument, by learning the technology, by figuring out how to program um, the sounds and the end result of creating some incredible music, creating an experience, um, creating uh, music live, is what's important. It's not necessarily what the tools that you use uh, are not as important. And and I, I see, I wanna see people in the future um, pull out their phones, pull out uh, different kinds of electronic devices and get together and, and jam impromptu and make something that sounds, you know, amazing and instantly share. So the whole process of making music should go from this thing that um that doesn't happen in real time to something that happens more in real time and, and that's shared and people just people just have fun and get in and and the use of music as uh entertainment as a pastime i i feel like it it's like just at the there's a huge opportunity to go back, basically to go back in time and to experience the same thing where people just got together with a drum and started singing together and um, and and having a party, instantaneous party, just because all you had was people and a drum. So so now that same thing should be happening times a thousand because everybody has something that's way more powerful than a drum to make music with. So we just need to add a, a few things like amplification and um, um, the, the right kind of uh, touch interface, and and then we can we can have mobile parties and mobile experiences and and and, and mobile you know live meditation sessions with people <laughs> uh, playing music. So there's there's all of this potential to create music live and have these live experiences, and then to share those experiences. And and those and, and that we didn't really talk about this that much in the conversation, but I feel like those um, when there's a framework to monetize people's music, it'll make that uh, um, like right now. If if we did that and we shared it, then the money from that that experience and that music that we created instantly, if we shared it with the world, then maybe. Uh, a company like YouTube or Google would make money off of the ads and Facebook would sell our information and make money off of the, um, you know, selling our information and location. And but the, the musicians who created it wouldn't see much or any of that. And I, I would like to see a future or, our, or we're working to create a future where the creators of the music can can share a large in a large percentage of that revenue which will incentivize people to make more music and share more music so um and not be starving artists it can be productive artists that are, <laughs> um well-fed artists. well-fed <laughs> well-fed wow. artists so so that's that's the purpose uh, that's that's the future that we're creating that's beautiful i i love the the thought around sharing experiences and obviously having creators make the lump sum and not taken away from you know the, the, the bigger tech companies that take a bigger cut. What's your take on Spotify? Um, <clears throat> so I think that Spotify is a, is a step, in some ways it's a step in the right direction because 
um, instead of uh, the amount of money and resources that can go to musicians, um, it's, it, it, now it's a more direct connection between musicians and the fans by streaming, because you can stream anyone's music instantly. Of course, the major labels still own Spotify, and the amount of money that's, that's going to the creators is way too small. So it's, it's definitely not the solution that it needs to be. But, but once the whole world is able to listen to anyone's music and that person who, who's sharing the music can get a larger percentage of the, the proceeds, then we're going to have this whole uh, you know, dynamic um, um, situation where, where music is, is, is funded well and the best music rises to the top. So there's always going to be a battle, you know, between people who are trying to um, reap all the benefits without creating the music. And, and, and then also the people who come up with technology like Spotify should be rewarded for creating that technology. So there's, there's always going to be a balance, but, um, um, I think it's I think it's a good thing. It's just it has to develop more to where the artists get more uh, uh, of the royalties and they get compensated you know, yep. more fairly. But we'll get there. Mm-hmm. We sure will, especially yeah. with- not by accident. We're gonna have to. It's gonna. It's it's not gonna be like it's not gonna be given to artists. Artists are gonna have to take it. <laughs> so it's gonna have to because, be intentional, right? Like a, a yeah. Have you explored any other solutions in how you're going to ensure the artist gets a fair value for the work they've put in to create their art? Blockchain is, is one of the solutions to creating what I was, you know, uh, kind of envisioning uh, a, a way where creators can get compensated directly for their um, their art. And uh, it, it can't be like, disintermediated by um, corporations and, and, and people uh, figuring out how to steal the value. Yep. This is the last question. For aspiring artists out there, what's your advice to them? Um, for, for me, I would say, I, I feel like a, a question that I get a lot in marketing is, um, people asking about making a persona and and um i think that people will see through a persona and that you should highlight the part the genuine parts of you that appeal to whatever audience you want to service and i feel like up and coming artists should really really do detailed in-depth research about what audience they want to the audience that they want to service and or reach or impact um so then they know what parts of themselves to 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 um to kind of to to publicize or put on these uh social platforms and know like what messages to put out there so i think my advice to an upcoming artist is to really do your audience research and figure out who it is you want to service what is it you want to give to them what is it you want how do you want um, them to feel when they see you here or feel your art and um 
I think those are the questions that need to be asked and answered first before you even create anything. I love that advice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, there's so there's so many uh, things that, that, you know, that we could talk about as far as advice of one, one, I'm gonna say, do it in public. Um, that the, the learning process, the creation process, the building process, if you do it in public and get feedback, um, and, and you're gonna have to, you know, have a thick skin for negative feedback, but there will be people who will support you and um, you know gravitate to those people and um, and learn from other people. But if you're doing your art and this growth process in public, I think you'll be much more successful because you'll get instant feedback and, and uh, it'll help you direct your your um, your process in the right direction and you'll be building an audience um, along the way and, and, and not just an audience with uh, friends, collaborators, mentors, um, mentees, a community along the way and that's what's going to propel your career forward. And there we have it, the founders of Electrospit, Maya and Bosco. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. I'm sure it inspired many people out there in the art tech space, entrepreneurs and artists that are emerging. Thank you listeners for being with us. Until next time, my friends, seek your truth and then live it. It takes some courage and a whole lot of love.